Let's open our Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 19. 2 Samuel chapter 19. I mainly want to get over to verse 40 down through verse 2 of chapter 20. I know this is a lot of reading, but I want us to begin reading, though, in verse 1. So you'll understand the setting. Remember that Absalom, David's son, had rebelled against David, had uh, his brother killed. And the whole purpose for Absalom doing this was Absalom wanted to take the throne. It said he stole the hearts of the people. He stole them away from David. And last week we saw that God in his justice brought Absalom to his horrible end in his rebellion, how he died and how that David receives word from Cushai. He's only concerned about one thing, was about news about his son. And Absalom's dead. What about all those people who have followed Absalom? What about them now? These are not Philistines. These are Israelites. I think most of the ten tribes of Israel followed Absalom. The one that was usually true to David was Judah from the tribe which he came. And this is what we see here in this chapter. I entitled the lesson, Bringing Back the King. David's living in Maenaim on the other other side of Jordan. And he's still there. What are they going to do? They're going to leave him there? Or are they going to send for the king? I will tell you this. He will not stay where he's not wanted. They didn't drive David out of Jerusalem. He left. He left. He gave it to them without any resistance. And now that Absalom's dead, I don't see David gathering all his forces to go back and retake what's rightfully his. He won't stay where he's not wanted. We'll look at it in a little bit. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 5. They asked him to leave, and you know what he did? He left. He left. Second Samuel 19, verse 1. <clears throat> and it was told Joab, David's general, Behold, the king weepeth and mourneth, and mourneth for Absalom. And the victory that day was turned into mourning unto all the people. For the people heard saying that day how the king was grieved for his son. No doubt that David loved his son Absalom, as we love our own children. You say, well, Absalom was a rebel. That doesn't change the fact that you still love your children. They're still your children, and you love them. And David loved Absalom. Wanted him, hoped that he would repent, but he never did. And the king was grieved for his son. And the people got themselves by stealth that day into the city, as people being ashamed still away when they flee in battle. And the king covered his face, and the king cried with a loud voice, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. I think what caused the greatest grief that David knew this boy went out of this world not knowing God. You know, people, when, when people die, they want to find some comfort 
And our comfort is only found in Christ. We know that. We, we, we sorrow not as others who have no hope, but there's no hope for that son. No hope. No hope. Lived a rebel and died a rebel. And Joab came to the house of the king. Now, I don't understand all this, and I don't know much how to explain it. But I'm never going to brag anything on what Joab does. He, he is a conniver. Whichever way the winds blows, that's which way Joab's going to be. And Joab, but Joab came to the house to the king and said, Thou hast shamed this day the faces of thy servants, which this day have saved thy life and the lives of thy sons, and of thy daughters, and of the lives of thy wives, and the lives of thy concubines, in that thou lovest thine enemies, and hatest thy friends. For thou hast declared this day, basically by David mourning over Absalom, that thou regardest neither princes nor servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived, and all we had died this day, then it would have pleased you. He said, David, by your actions, you'd say you just wished we'd all died and Absalom had lived. Because you're mourning over Absalom and you're not even considering your servants. Now therefore arise. But I will say this. You cannot stay wallowing in self-pity. We all, we, we grieve and we grieve more sometimes than we should. It's, to me, it reminds me to when David came back from Ziklag. You remember when he came back, and he came back to that city, and when he came back, that city was burned. Now, what's he to do? They've captured his wife and his children and the women. What's he to do? Well, let's just sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. No, he encouraged himself in the Lord. David's still king. He's king. He's king. Now therefore arise, go forth and speak comfortably unto thy servants. For I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, there will not tarry one with thee this night. He's saying if you don't arise, they're going to all leave you, David. Now I believe he could have been stretching the point, I don't know. But this is what he's saying. And that will be worse with thee than all the evil that has befelled thee from thy youth unto now. And I want you to see the next statement. What does it say? Then David arose. Whether Joab was right or not, I don't know. But David arose. It shook him out of this, this condition that he was in. And David arose. He's king. And sat in the gate. And they told unto all the people, saying, Behold, the king does sit in the gate. You know what they're waiting on? They're waiting on news about the king. They're looking to their king. He's king. Can you imagine what they would be like without a king? What happened when the nation of Israel was without a king? Everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. Behold, the king to sit in the gate, and all the people came before the king, for Israel had fled every man to his tent. They're scared to death. They fled to their tents. What, what are, Danny, what are we to do? What are we going to do? 
And verse 9, and all the people, now look at this, and all the people were at strife. Strife. Throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, the king saved us out of the hand of our enemies. They remember how he delivered them. He delivered them out of the hands of the Philistine. And now he is fled out of the land for Absalom. Will the king forgive us? We followed Absalom. We were deceived by Absalom. Will he show us mercy? And Absalom, whom we anointed over us, is dead in the battle. Now therefore, now watch this. Why speak ye not a word to bring the king back? Nobody's even said, let's go get the king. Let's bring him back. And King David went to Zadok and to Abiathar the priest, saying, Speaking to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? Seeing the speech of all Israel has come to the king, he heard what they were saying, even to his house. Well, why didn't Judah seek him? You can kind of understand Israel being afraid, but why didn't Judah seek to bring him back? Well, we need to, you need to go back, David. He said, you are my brethren. You are my bones and my flesh. He was of the tribe of Judah. Wherefore, the, wherefore then are ye the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, who was Joab, I mean uh, Absalom's general, and say to Amasa, art thou not my bone and of my flesh? He was his sister's son. Go do so. Go do so to me, and more also, if thou be not captain of the host before me continually in the room of Joab. And he bowed, what's this verse 14? And he bowed the heart of all the men of Judah, even as the heart of one man. They are united. So that they sent this word unto the king. Watch this. What, what word did they send to the king? Return thou and all thy servants. That where it says they were all of one accord. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1 it says, And all the people gathered together as one man unto the street. That was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which God commanded Israel. One man, one man. They bowed their hearts to the king. Did you see verse 15, and you could underline that statement. So the king returned. So the king returned. Can you imagine what joy would be that day? You know the picture <clears throat> of David when he left Jerusalem. Remember, he crossed the brook Kidron, and in the book of Psalms says he drank of that brook. He went up by the Mount of Olives, which is a picture of our Lord going to give his life for his people. And he's gone. He's left. But he's coming back. That same Jesus that you've seen leave, he's coming again. Who's that, who's that that's coming back? I'll tell you who it is. It's the king coming back. 
It's the king returning. One day he's going to return, and how's he going to come back? He's coming back as king because he's never ceased to be king. It may seem like Absalom rules. It may seem like Absalom, the world's religion, steals the hearts of men away from David, away from Christ, but he's going to return. He's coming back. So the king returned and came to Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king and to conduct the king over Jordan. Now here comes David, and you see the picture. He's coming to Jordan. He's getting ready to cross over. Now these, there's a list of people here that come to meet David. And it's kind of ironic that the first one that meets him is a man named Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, who was of the tribe of Saul, which was of Baraim, hasted and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And who is this man? Remember when David <clears throat> is coming out of Jerusalem? He's walking barefooted. This man's over here on this ridge cursing David. He said, you're a bloody man. He said, you're getting exactly what you deserve, David. And one man says, let me go and I'll take his head off, David. And he said, leave him alone. The Lord hath bid him to curse me. And now this man comes to meet David. This same man that cursed this king, he now comes to him. Why does he come to him? He comes beg for mercy. He comes to beg for mercy. He came to meet the king. And there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him. He didn't just come along. He came with a thousand men. And not only did he come with a thousand men, and Ziba, you remember who Ziba is, that, that liar, who was Mephibosheth's servant. Remember when he brought the, the supplies to David? David said, well, where's Mephibosheth? He said, oh, he's back in Jerusalem. He thinks that the kingdom's going to be restored to him. No, he wasn't. He's lying. And Ziba comes with him. And his 20 servants with him, and they went over Jordan before the king. And there went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gershah, watch this, fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan. And he said unto the king, now watch this, let not my Lord impute iniquity unto me. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Neither do thou remember that which thy servant did. Isn't that what we do when we come to him? We beg for mercy. You say, well, he don't deserve mercy. Well, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. He begs and he, God, forgive me for what I've done. What did Paul say after he was converted? He says, before I was converted, I was a blasphemer. And we all were by nature. Do thou remember that which thy servant perversely did the day that my lord the king went out of Jerusalem that the king should not take it to heart? For thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I am come the first this day of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord the king. Can you not see Shimei when he gets up that morning and says, Where are you going? I'm going to go meet the king. Where are you going to go meet the king for? I'm going to go beg for mercy. This man deserved to die. 
He ought to have died. You ought to have died. We still ought to die. For thy servant doth know that I have seen. Therefore, behold, I am come this day of all the house of Joseph to, to go down to meet the Lord the king. But Abishai, now this is the same one when Shimei cursed David. Abishai, which is Joab's brother, he said, you let me go take his head off. And he, Abishai, the son of Zerariah, Zerariah's David's sister, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? You know what was wrong with Abishai? He didn't know anything about mercy. All he knew was justice. Isn't that it? I want to show you something. David is known for being a man of showing mercy. Of showing mercy. Abishai was ignorant to him. It was so foreign to him. In verse 22, And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerariah, that you should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over all Israel? Now he's king. And if he wants to, he can have Shimei killed. All he has to do is bat an eye, and that's it. Because he's king. And he shows him mercy. Mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. As I thought about this, you remember the, there were two men come to our Lord and they both asked to be forgiven of the debt and they had nothing to pay. And he forgave that one man which owed this great amount of money. And you know what he did as soon as he was forgiven? He went out and found a man which owed him like two or three dollars and he grabbed him around the throat and he said, you pay me what you owe me. That's us by nature. God forgives us, and when somebody offends us, it's just, you better pay me what you owe me. But not our Lord. Our Lord delights to show mercy to the unworthy. Verse 33, Therefore the king said unto Shimei, Some of the greatest news a sinner will ever hear, Thou shalt not die. I guarantee Shimei was probably scared to death. Scared. And thou shalt not die. And the king swore unto him. So we see Shimei coming. Now we see poor old Mephibosheth, that dead dog who is lame on both his feet. Now, 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 what, now you think about this from the human side. All David knows about Mephibosheth is what Ziba's told him. He said, he said that Mephibosheth's turned on you, David. He's the son of Jonathan, who's the son of Saul, who's the rightful heir to that throne. And Ziba said, he didn't come to see because now that you're left, he, he thinks that it's going to be his, and he's going to be king. And that's what David's been told. 
And David tells Ziba, okay, you take everything that's Mephibosheth's, which was everything that was Jonathan's, which was everything that was Saul's, all the land, all that inheritance becomes now it's all Ziba's because he stole it. So what's Mephibosheth going to do? The king's coming by. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And had neither dressed his feet. Gil said he, he didn't wash his feet. He didn't cut his toenails. Those are the same feet that are lame. Crippled. Twisted. Didn't trim his beard. Didn't wash his clothes. From the day that the king departed until the day that the king, the king came back. He did not take a bath or anything. What's he showing? He's in mourning. He misses the king. He loved the king. Why? The king showed him mercy. The king went and fetched him and brought him to his house, set him at his own table. And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said unto him, Wherefore, wentest thou not thou with me, Mephibosheth? Why didn't you come to where I was at? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, talking about Ziba, for thy servant said, I will sat me an ass, that I may ride there on because he couldn't walk. Ziba said, I'll go get an ass and bring it, and put you on, and I'll take you to the king. But while he was gone, he never came back. Because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto my lord the king, but my lord the king is that as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all my father's house were all but dead men. We're nothings. For all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table? What right? Now, won't you see this? This is going to tie in with the, the verses at the end of the chapter. What right? Therefore, have I yet to cry any more unto the king? You know what he's saying? I don't have any rights. I don't have any right to say anything. I'm just a dead dog. I don't have any rights. And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matter? I have said thou and Ziba divide the land. He said, Will you and Ziba divide the land then? Reminds me of the woman, the two women that came to Solomon. Remember, had the, the live child and one of them were dead. One woman killed her child and said, Well, which one's the child? Solomon said, Divide it. David said, okay, divide the land. That seems fair, doesn't it? You and Ziba divide the land. Look what Mephibosheth said. Mephibosheth said unto the king, let him take all. Let him have it all. You mean you don't want any of it? Let him take it all. Why? Let him take it off for as much as my lord the king has come again in peace into his own house. Now that I have you, that's all I want. I don't want any of it. Take it all. Paul said, I count it all but dung that I may win him. That's what Mephibosheth said. Zabalad, he said, let him have it all. 
Let him have it all. Verse 31. A man named Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogerlium and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. That means he's 80 years old. And you know, when David came to Maonam, and he's weary, and his, his, the people, his servants are weary, you know what? Three men, they brought their goods, they brought food, they brought wine, they brought flour, they brought all those things, and refreshed David. This was one of the men. He's a Gileadite, he's a Gentile. And this man's 40 years old. I mean, 80 years old, four score years old. And he had provided the king of substance while he lay at Manam, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live? He said, I don't have long to live. You know, that still said a man would live his whole life waste all of his life it comes down to an end and he's getting ready to die how long, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem I am this day fourscore years old and can I discern between good and evil can I servant taste what I eat I can't even taste food anymore or I, or I can't even taste what I drink I can't hear any more the voice of singing. I just, it, just, I just can't hear it anymore. Wherefore then should thy servant be a burden unto my Lord the King? But he says, thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the King, and why should the King recompense it me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in mine own country and be buried by the grave of my father, and of my mother, but behold thy servant Chinham, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chinham shall go over with me. Why? Because the other man asked for it. He's going to receive this young man in the place of the other man. He's going to bless this young man because of that man. Does that sound familiar? Why are you blessed? You're blessed in Christ. You're accepted in him. And the king answered, Chinham shall go over with me, and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee. And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan. And when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him. And he returned to his own place. What a blessing. To be blessed with the king. So here's David. Getting ready. To come back to Jerusalem. These people are going out to meet him. They have a desire to meet him. But in verse 40. Of this chapter it says. Then the king went to Gilgal. And Chinham went on with him. And all the people of Judah conducted the king 
and also half, half the people of Israel. And behold, all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen thee away? You've stolen David from us. And have brought the king and his house and all David's men with him over Jordan. You know what they're saying? Israel's mad because Judah didn't, I mean, because they didn't wait for Israel to come and help them bring David across Jordan. They said, you stole him away from us. And all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel. Because the king is near of kin unto us. They said, we did it because he's of our tribe. We're nearer kin to him than you are. Wherefore then be ye angry for this matter? Have we eaten all of the king's coast, or hath he given us any gift? And all the men of Israel answered the king of Judah, answered the men of Judah, and said, We have ten parts in the king. We have ten. We have more tribes. We outnumber you. What are they saying? Does that not count for something? We have ten parts in the king, and we have, and we have also more right in David. Than ye, why then did ye despise us that our advice should be the first in bringing back our king? And the words of the men of Judah were fisher than the words of the men of Israel. There appeared to be there a man of Belial, whose name was Sheba, the son of Berit. Berecha, a Benjamite, he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David and followed Sheba, the son of Berech. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from Jordan even to Jerusalem. What is going on here? We see David's return. You have the ten tribes of Israel, which majority of them followed Absalom, and you've got the tribe of Judah. And you know what they're all saying? We all have rights. We all have a claim to David. You don't have any claims on the king. He has claim on you. But there's this strife because one feels like they're neglected. They feel like, well, you know, he owes it to us, and others feel like, well, he owes it to them. Both groups are in rebellion. They are jealous of each other. Can you not see them? They go down to the river and about time Israel gets down there and they think they're going to help David bring, bring David across the river and David's already on this side of the river. So why didn't you wait on us? You think you're more important than we are? We have a right to him too. We have claims on him. What did Mephibosheth said? I have no rights. Why do we hear all this stuff about people's rights? Men think that they are entitled to stuff. What did Mephibosheth said? I'm not entitled to that land. I have no rights. But when men think they have all these rights, they think that they're entitled to it. That means that you owe it to them. That you ought to give it to you. Because you're entitled This is what drives the heart of all rebellion. It is jealousy. Jealousy comes from an attitude of entitlement. 
I'll tell you this. Every one of you in here this morning, and me included, you are entitled to something. You know what it is? The wages of sin is death. That's what you're entitled to. Everybody has something that is originally theirs, and it's your original sin. And that's what you're entitled to. Men have us, men my nature, have this sense of entitlement. And you can see it manifested in our day. And you say, where did this come from? I'll tell you where it came from. Because men were told and been told for years through the preaching of another gospel, they've been told that man has a free will and God owes every man salvation. Isn't that right? And that God is indebted unto them. And if he don't do it, then he's unfair. They were actually saying, well, it's unfair that you didn't do that for us. Let me tell you something. David is king. God set David apart. God anointed David. God chose David. And God set him on the throne. God made him king. It, Peter didn't say on the day of Pentecost when he's preaching this risen Lord, this exalted king, and he's preaching him sitting up on a throne. He didn't say, now come on Israelites, would not somebody, won't you make him Lord? Won't you make him Lord today? You know what he said? God beat you to it. God raised him from the dead, and God set him on a throne, and God made him Lord. He's Lord. Now if he's not king... And your king, he's entitled to you. He's indebted to you. But that's not the case. You know how most people perceive God? They perceive him like David at the first of the chapter sitting there with his hand, head down in his hands, just weeping his eyes out because he can't save nobody. Now that's human love. And David's love like that could not save Absalom. But let me tell you this, that's not God's love. All for whom God chose and loved and set his affection on, he's going to save every single one of them. And it's not entitlement. It's grace. It's grace. Men think that God is indebted to them, and he's not. He says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you, because what could you do about it? You see this plumb back into in the, right after the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. This was the issue between Cain and Abel. Jealousy and rebellion led to death and murder. Abel, God revealed himself to Abel and showed him that if you're to approach God, you have to come with a blood sacrifice. You must look to a substitute. And he brought a blood sacrifice and God received his offering. And God accepted him. Cain goes gets the best apples he's got. He cleans them up. He gets the best watermelons or whatever he, that's his. That he grew. And he brings them and he steps back for God to accept what he brings. And God don't accept it. And Cain says, that's just not fair. And he get, this is his own brother. His own brother. These Jews in it, these from Judah and Israel, they're all from Abraham. And Cain can't stand the fact 
that God would not receive his sacrifice. He thinks that God's entitled to him. He ought to reward him based on what he's done. And God's not going to do that. And he can't stand it and he kills his brother. And that's still the issue today. This is the issue right here. Men think that they are entitled to salvation. And it's not an entitlement. It's a gift. Why does God receive you? It's not because your good works. You don't have any. It's based on the sacrifice of his darling son. That's how God receives any sinner. And the only reason he receives them, he chose them in Christ. All the blessings are in Christ. All the inheritance is in Christ. That's like Mephibosheth said. David, I have no rights. I have no rights. I have nothing. I have no claim. I have no claim. I have no rights. I want to show you this. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny, for a penny a day he sent them into the vineyard. Now, Gil and others believe that this could picture some that are saved in the earlier part of their life when they're real young. And they live and serve a long time in the vineyard. And then it's going to picture those who are saved maybe in their 70s or 80s like Barzillai. And they're all going to be rewarded. They're going to be given what's rightfully theirs. And look, and he, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right will I give you. And they went their way. And he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour of the day, he went out and found others standing idle. And he saith unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? And they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. Now this is not saying a man's, he's rewarded based on his efforts or his works. That's not teaching that. They said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when the even was come, the Lord in the vineyard saith unto the stewards, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. They worked one hour, and they're going to get a penny. But when the first came, I want you to see this. I want you to notice that next statement. They supposed. That's when we miss it. It's when we suppose something. Isn't it? It's just like when Naaman comes to Elisha. And Elisha don't go out to him. And he's having to stand there. And he don't even walk out on the porch to him. And he said, I thought he would come out and do this and that. He said, I supposed they supposed that they should have received what? That they should have received more. Why did they think they ought to get more? They'd worked longer. And they likewise received every man a penny. 
You say, they worked all day. He told them he'd give them a penny. And he paid them the penny. And those that worked one hour received a penny. And when they received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house. Doesn't that sound familiar? Saying, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them, thou hast made them equal unto us. You're all equal. The last time I looked, the fruit of the cross, it's level. Isn't that it? It's not Jew nor Gentile. It's not bond or free. We're all received the same way. How are we received, Danny? We're received by grace. It ain't because you're a greater sinner. You can't, you can't lay claims to that. Say, well, I was such a great sinner. You have that. There's no merit. These have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which is born the burden and heat of the day. And he answered. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did thou not agree with me for a penny? Did I not give you what I told you I would? Yes, he did. Now watch this. Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto thee unto this last, even as unto thee. It doesn't matter where God calls a man when he's a young man or if he's 80 years old. They're going to all receive the same thing. And the inheritance is Christ. He's the reward. Verse 15, you, can, you ought to underline this in your Bible. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Whose penny was it? It's his penny. It's his grace. Is it unlawful for me to do what I will with mine own? You take a man, he can, he can have a whole household of children, and if he wants to, he can give all his inheritance to one child. Isn't that right? It's his. He can do with it as he pleases. And the other may say, well, that's unfair, and most probably would. And that's who we are by nature. Every one of us would have been just like these people here. We would all say, now hold on now. I've been working in the vineyard all day long. Don't that entitle me to something? Notice the word entitled to something. No. Because he agreed to give you a penny. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? It's all his. Is thine not evil because I am grieved? So the last shall be first and the first last for many be called. But few chosen. Looking for it down, just look down a few verses down to verse 20. The disciples were not even exempt from this. <clears throat> then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children. With her sons worship him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto them, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left hand in thy kingdom. This is what I want you to do to my sons. What do you want to do to my sons? Because they're special. They're, they're part of the inner, inner circle. What pride. Matthew could say, well, I was a tax collector. I have just as much right. It's grace. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? And she said unto me, grant that these my two sons may sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. 
<laughs> Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I am drink, able to drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, You shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to whom it shall be prepared of my Father. Our king reigns. And when he comes back as king, he's going to give all his children their inheritance. And all we want is just like Mephibosheth. You can take it all. When God saves a person, he makes himself known to that person and they, they know by experience they have no rights. We're not strutting around about our rights. We know all we want is like Mephibosheth. All we want is him. That's it. Isn't it? To those that believe, he's precious. I played that religious game for years. I I know by experience. I know what it is. We all thought we were entitled Oh I've, oh, I've worked for years. Oh, I've even preached, so that means I'm going to get more rewards than you are. That's why those people stand, those false preachers stand in Matthew 7, and they're standing before the very throne of God. They're, and they're, even they come with their entitlements. They said, well, we prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. We've done many wonderful works, and he never denied that they'd done them. You know what they're saying? Receive us based on what we've done. He said, you depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He says one day he's going to sit the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And he's going to say to those goats, he said, I was sick and you didn't come visit me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And they said, well, when saw we we hungrier? When saw we we in prison and didn't come visit you? And he says to the sheep, he says, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me water. I was in prison and you came and visited me. And you know what the sheep say? When did we do that? You didn't even know it. Enter the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. People say that's not fair. Let me tell you this. God will show mercy to whom he will show mercy. If God wants to save you, he can. And if he wants to leave you alone, he will too. If he wants to, he can give you exactly what you deserve and what you want. You want your entitlement? That's what you'll get. You want wrath? You want, you want to be rewarded based on what you've done? That's what you're going to get. Every man, according to his own works. That's right. It's going to be more tolerable for Solomon and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for some people. Children, he's coming back. He's coming back. We're not looking for signs. Everybody reads the book of Revelation and they get so scared. It's the, oh, see, it just scares me. It's all about him. We're looking for one thing. 
We're not looking to see what happens over in Israel. We're not looking to see who gets in the White House. We're looking for one thing, and that's a person. We're looking for him. And when we see him, we're going to be just like him. Amen.